Hey, what's happening, boys and girls of the internet world? My name is Christopher Marinin, and you are listening to the No One Is Listening podcast, episode one of season two. We back. We back, baby. Oh, yeah. Baby back ribs. Back in the drive. Chili's? Chili's. <laughs> what is that, 98 Degrees that did the song or something? Is it NSYNC? Nick Lachey. Does Nick Lachey co-own Chili's? He probably does. He tried to own that weed uh, factory or whatever. Here. Weed factory. Yeah, when they were about to legalize it, but nobody wanted to because bunch of businesses were gonna that's what oh, Chili's yeah. messed up that's yeah. what Chili's messed up they should have put weed on the menu Weed and they'd still be in existence. Oh, you could have got the, like, the 420 beer with it and everything. Uh, I did see an interview with Nick Lachey. And he was talking uh, how? about the, <laughs> he was how? Talking, he was talking about the hardships of the road when he was yeah. first starting off with, like, uh, what was it, 90 Yeah, degrees. I fucking bet. Yeah, he was like, oh, yeah, we had to eat, like, we had to get peanut butter and bread, and that's what our food was. I'm like, oh, yeah, because <laughs> they probably they were probably on that Marvel diet where you had to keep your six-pack and shit. <laughs> <laughs> They're just pieces of shit. They're like, oh, the hards of the road. Yeah, you know? right. And then he marries Jessica Simpson, like, a half year later. <laughs> Multi-millionaire, now he's set for life, dude. Like, yeah, I know, do you think anybody's like? There's a sign above his door that says, "Don't talk about Jessica." Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe. I would assume so. You know, she was look pretty good looking. <laughs> yeah, no question. No. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would never have expected that we talk about Nick Lachey you know, you, on you the opening always, of season two of the No One Is Listening podcast. You never know what to get out of us. Yeah, know, we're a bunch of crazy and wacky guys. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So season two, we made it. We, we, uh, we've been doing these What's Your Favorite episodes in the meantime. So hopefully everyone listening has enjoyed those. But we're getting back to format here. Yeah, no more appetizers for you. Yeah, we're on the meat and potatoes now. Mm. Tucking those napkins in your collar, baby, because we're about russets. to get sloppy. Uh, <laughs> so no, man. So we're we're back to form the the one expert, two assholes format that we started this podcast with. Yes. Yeah. And um, <laughs> luckily, it's not on browsers. <laughs> Whoa! Hey, all right. So, uh, what what's what's fun about this though is that we go week to week and we don't really necessarily know what the topics are we just have a little bit of time to prepare because we are bringing back our glorious mascot uh the magic sack oh the magic sack the magic, magic sack. sack it's back baby it is back it back and velvety it is is it very uh it's it's full have you washed it <laughs> no no why would i wash it i don't know you gotta let it just stew <laughs> it's our uh it's our nikon approved magic sack um yeah. they it's- they will be uh Sponsors, sponsors. Hey, well, Nikon, see, get see, us. That's what I'm. You know, the other mission we had in between seasons was to try to find a sponsor for the No One Is Listening uh. podcast, and so far uh, we have been unsuccessful. Uh, By finding sponsors, we're just tagging people on Twitter and see if well, anyone bites. I mean, <laughs> right. I'm still up for that trip, Enterprise, if you're willing right. to, you know, sponsor us. Right. K-Jewelers, we're looking to get blinged out. What <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> we're, we're close. We're close. We just got a retweet from Zaps Chips. Uh, you know, that would be... And we'd be, we would love we to get some, some Annie Ann's love, We too. did get yeah. some Annie Ann's loves on what's our favorite uh, appetizer episode. I'm just saying no chips, no deal, man. That's It's got to be chips. <laughs> I, I got to put these chips. chips in the middle of the table. Oh, are we talking British chips or Ooh. us chips? Do, yeah, British chips are good. Yeah, a little fish. Ew. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. I, I just found out that Zaps is uh, part of Oots. Yeah, Oots. great Oots. company. Great company. American company. Oh, those dark russets. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love the dark russets, man. Yeah. Those are good. Yeah, I'm more of a uh, red potato fan myself. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so season two, the, the chip season, the, the possible the search, sponsors. The search for sponsors. The search continues. The search continues. Season two of No One Listening Podcast. So let's get that going. Uh, that'll be our mission as we go through this journey of season two. Yeah. Who knows? Um, Maybe they're a topic in the sack. I don't know. Could be. Could I don't be. know how you, much I like them now. Uh, how much is it worth to you, companies? You yeah. could be a topic in the sack. You just got to <laughs> fucking sponsor us. Come That's on. how it is, right? So with that, the sponsors could have access to our amazing listeners, which we've discovered. We have listeners all over the world, Yeah, which yep. is super cool because you can, with the power of the internet, the you internet. Can log on and see where people listen to these shows. And I'm surprised because we're not necessarily a huge social media podcast at all by any stretch. No, However, we're trying our best, though. Yeah, we're we, mostly on the dark web. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> clearly. on 8chan. <laughs> clearly. Uh, but, but we do get a lot of listens to these shows, so thank you to everyone that's either subscribed or found us just because you typed in X-Men or X-Files yeah. or Maximum Overdrive, which would be awesome if you searched that on Google and found us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys should listen to that episode. It needs more love. Yeah, it yeah. does. So... <laughs> It's just it's it feels good. It feels good to do a show that you know for us was just a way to learn about things, talk about things. Um, you know, it's it's a nostalgia cast, but we talk about food, we talk about relevant stuff, we talk about everything that we love. Yeah. Exactly, light switches sometimes. Right. Yeah. Whatever comes up, Carpet. whatever I'm looking at, we're yeah. playing I Spy on this podcast. <laughs> right. yeah. Derek's got a patchouli Alexa behind us right yeah, now. Look at what? So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if you're not familiar, we do have this thing that Chris talked about called the Magic Sack, Ooh. and we each put. Five subjects that we've held near and dear in pop culture and whatever raised us. This year we changed it up though. Yep. Yeah, we, we did. We changed it up and we added a red card each. So this is definitely this is something that had it was an idea that yes. I think Dave you spurned oh, yeah. based off yeah. of the based max- off of hatred. I, I, I like yeah. hate. Was, but was it the Maximum Overdrive episode that made you realize that we needed to add something like this in the podcast? No, I just felt weird, too, just bringing awesome subjects to the table and be like, oh, this is cool because it's cool. Why not yeah, bring yeah. something that sucks and just <laughs> say how much it or sucks? Something. Hey, how do you feel about being disappointed? Yeah. <laughs> well, see, because that's the thing is that when when my concept of this, when I when I pitched this con, uh, concept for No One Is Listening, I didn't necessarily want it to be a hate cast because those yeah. are so easy to do. Yeah, yeah. and there's, there's five billion of them. Yeah. So many of them. And we're not, uh, you know, we're not that those type of people. We don't, we don't go out of our way to put things down. But there are creative ways to examine topics that aren't yes. necessarily cool to us or things that we like. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see what the red cards are this year. Uh, you're going to hate mine so much. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. No. I think we're all going to hate each other. Oh, uh, it's going to be great. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that you guys know what I don't like. I've been very vocal about the things I don't like. Yeah. Um, I try to come up with a red card that maybe will throw you guys off. But at the same token, I think, I don't know, man, it's hard to read both of you. I'm, I'm nervous when my red card gets pulled, how you're going to react to it. You know, it happens. Mine's pretty straightforward. I'm pretty sure we'll all hate it. (laughs) And if somebody likes it, I'm going to laugh at you and probably mock you. Now I wouldn't be surprised if you, if one of you liked my red card. Yeah. No. Your if taste, your tastes are very different. If it's than something mine. I really like, I'm probably gonna throw a bunch of flour on you. That's okay. It happens. It's okay. Yeah. So let's. Uh, you know, we also have something else in the sack. We have our, our good friend so. Noah, who, if you remember listening to our pizza cast, Noah sat in on that and brought a lot to the table. Noah is one of those people that has traveled the world, has a, a you know pretty wild taste. I'm interested to see what he put in the sack. 
um, just to learn, just once again to learn, because I'm learning from from both of you every time that we pull out a, a topic from the sack, forces me to research things that I otherwise wouldn't research. Uh, and that's what basically we did here on this first episode of season two. I'm pretty uh, sure I know what he put in the sack. I mean, I think we share the same brain. So, oh, okay, oh man, okay. Are you his crang? Like uh, yes. Noah's head's actually in your stomach. <laughs> yes, that, that's why I have uh, such a large belly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, Noah's we, got a huge head. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so we what we put five in, right? Yes, so, and we already pulled one in our, our season pulled. finale last year, yeah, and it was your topic. It was my topic do you guys remember what the topic is barely barely we this is a, this is established canon in the no one is listening universe that my brain doesn't work half the time because i eh. thought that x-files was my topic last season obviously it was no <laughs> <laughs> but i uh no i yeah i remember what the last one was it was uh it's very similar to how we started off season one the pilot episode of no one is listening with uh, amy winehouse which was a musical podcast mm-hmm. if you will and to keep theme on season two our first episode is my topic, as Dave has mentioned, which is the Canadian screamo pioneering band Alexis on Fire. Oh fuck! I uh, <laughs> I've been looking at Billie Eilish all oh, week. I've been, yeah. I was I'm listening like, to Rush. Man, he must really like her since she's like five months old. <laughs> wow! Yeah, she is young. She's young. I didn't realize that. I'm in her music career, not oh, that person. Okay, okay. <laughs> all all three Canadian musicians. Uh, you got Rush, Brian Adams, and Alexis on Fire. Let's not forget Neil Young. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Neil Pert. Oh, oh hey, R.I.P. The United Mountie Orchestra. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> the PCO. Yeah. The, the the Mountie Tabernacle Choir. <laughs> <laughs> so Billy Eilish. Uh, fun fact. First tangent of the episode. Oh, which, wow. Uh, wow. We're already going on yeah, No, no. She is... Uh, we've done the... J- What's your favorite James Bond? Did yeah. you hear that she's doing the theme for the next James Bond movie? Yes. Yeah, that's, let her go. She's, that's yeah. crazy. She's got a great no, vocal I mean, she range. Just, yeah, she just won a ton of Grammys. Not at the last Grammy Awards. Not that we're recording We're timeless, baby. Near that. We just... It wasn't even the last one. It was like five years ago. Yeah, she's winning every Grammy <laughs> for the last ten, next 10 years. Yeah, right? Probably. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So she's a very innovative musician. And, you know, Alexis on Fire, in, in my eyes, the reason why I put it in the sack is because I feel that this band is quite possibly one of the most innovative bands of the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years. Um, because... When you when you think Alexis on Fire, it's not a household band name. It's not like Aerosmith or Godsmack, <laughs> you know, like right, like uh, you pick two Boston bands. Yeah, are you saying something here. Sorry, yeah, yeah Beach Boys, I Beach Boys, Murphy's. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Alexis on Fire is uh, they definitely, as I mentioned, they they get lumped into this genre of music called screamo. Okay, and screamo is. It's predicated in emo. Yeah. It's predicated in hardcore, post hardcore. I love my skinny jeans and my hair oh, like sweet. over one eye. Yeah. But it's like my, I couldn't do this when I was, uh, e- I probably would have been an emo kid at the time, but oh. uh, I was forced to get a haircut. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> well, sure. Because sure. the business I was in. Yep. Of course. Uh, you know, Hitman. Yeah. Killing children. <laughs> yeah, oh, my, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God, Dave. I wasn't in Vietnam. <laughs> get out of here. It's close enough. <laughs> no, but to, to kind of set the stage on what Alexis on Fire is, um, the time when they came out it was early 2000s, and this was when um, young adults were just discovering social media. You're yes. looking at Live Journal, Friendster, a um, Twilight series, Twilight series, <laughs> MySpace, MySpace. <laughs> MySpace. But this is that's where I was getting with this is MySpace. 
is that they definitely catapulted their American appeal through the power of MySpace, like a lot of bands did in the early 2000s, uh, because MySpace allowed you to have your music player and add bands, and bands could do HTML coding on their site and pull up a cool MySpace page, right? Pull up somebody's page and listen to a bunch of Ja Rule. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the the, the thing is with with Alexis on Fire is that being a Canadian-based band, they're from St. Catharines, Ontario, Canada, which is approximately about a half an hour north of Buffalo, New York, for, yeah. for geography purposes. Um, Canadian music, though, was not well-known or well-established in America. America was very driven by your corporate radio stations, and um, there were only a select few kids at school that would listen to, like, The Misfits and Black Flag and Descendants, mm-hmm. like the punk kids that knew the bands from the 80s and 90s. Yeah, so some of those are the 70s as well. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're right, you're right. Yeah. Um, but when you start looking at, like, hardcore genre, you're looking at bands like Sick of It All, um, Suicidal Tendencies, bands that kind of... Pushed, yeah, that yeah. that kind of pushed the mid '90s uh, to late '90s, but then there was this just vacant space in music genres, and these bands. Um, there was screamo. Yeah, most I guess mainstream at the time was Dashboard Confessionals. They got on TRL with Carson. Were they Daly really and, screamo though? I'm sorry, not screamo, but emo. Yeah, they emo. were there. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't remember. <laughs> but they kicked off emo, right? The the movement of emo, which is basically just emotional male-driven music, right? Like, it's Mm -hmm. very sensitive uh, because they're writing love letters, love songs, breakup songs, which is no different than the history of music, but it just so happens that uh, they stylized it, their personal style, with the, you know, the bangs, with the tight jeans, with a Mm. certain look. There was a certain look. Double belt. Yeah, exactly, (laughs) double belt, because kids were now able to take their digital cameras, post photos of (laughs) themselves online, and they're like, oh, I want to look like that guy, I want to look like that guy, Mm. and then... Hot Topic got in the mix, and um, it became a trendy thing to stylize oh, your look, yeah. but then yeah, combine that with music, right? So there's this, whole, that hair. there's this whole thing going on at this time. You know what I think it was? So Screamo is just basically hardcore music. But they're like, oh, let's put some whiny vocals over it so we can like appeal to the emo kids. You know, I yes and no. Um, yeah, I I understand that take, and I've heard that forever. Now, I I, I got to be very clear that I lay it down. I never listen. I've never listened to quote unquote emo music. I was not a no, fan no. of Dashboard Confessional or, <laughs> I or was. I, yeah. I, well, I I you know that's the thing is that uh, I grew up in a classic rock household and I respected rock. <laughs> Eddie Money was my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean if if, if, if if you've listened to this podcast, I've talked that I, I did grow up around the music industry. Uh, you know, I grew up in concert clubs, and, and my my parents had uh, well established musical collections that I, I've enjoyed my whole life. Yeah, and you loved Jump, didn't you? No, no, I, uh, no. But you're but you're looking at bands bands around this time uh, were trying to find an identity. And as Dave was mentioning, you got the hardcore, which was still relevant and still relevant today. Yeah. But hardcore has always been around, always will be around. As long as kids are angry, there's going to be hardcore music. But yeah, they wanted to blend that, um, the, the soft vocals, the, the melodies, yeah. the catchy the catchy stuff, yeah. right? Because I think a lot of kids in this generation did grow up with those bands of, you know, maybe not necessarily listen to Black Flag and Aerosmith, but they were exposed to enough pop music. Pop music was um, pop music was definitely 
part of all of our lives growing up. Mariah Carey and Michael Jackson, except, right? <laughs> oh, you, you laugh, you laugh, yeah, yeah, no. you laugh, but it's but it's no, the truth, right? We all know those lyrics. Yeah, Everyone we, knows. Right. We know how hardcore Mariah is. So so these angry... I get hardcore with Mariah. So these Jesus, angry kids, buddy. these angry kids that don't want to get into fist fights and don't want to uh, fight kids in the crowd, they, they've created their own musical genre. They want to let loose. They yeah. let loose. So you're looking at bands like My Chemical Romance, The Used, yeah. um, Norma Jean, you're looking at Senses Fail, Hawthorne. Poison the Well. Poison the Well was one of I actually did enjoy Poison the Well before Alexis on Fire. Yes. Uh, I definitely heard of them way before. This is the first time I'm hearing of this band, but uh, I got to see, um, was it Poison the Well? They played with uh, Deftones. Yeah. Yeah. Which was like the fourth or fifth time I was seeing Deftones. So I can kind of get what you're saying when you follow a band. I definitely don't think Poison the Well is Screamo, though. No, 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 but they were they 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 were lumped in with that genre. Kind they're of like, a, they're more of a bridge type of like like post it. hardcore. Because yes. yes. I never really got the the emo like vocals, and that's usually what killed it for me. Out okay, of those bands, um, like bands like Atreyu. Yep, uh, they have good music. It's just there'll be some dude just start doing those whiny vocals. They're that named are, after a damn horse <laughs> <laughs> that died. Was <laughs> it a uh, bullet for my Valentine too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. but yep. I mean. I never really got into that band. I, I listened to the only band that was kind of screaming was probably like from autumn to ashes. Okay. And they, yeah, yeah. They had like the like weird breakdowns where they would have some dude just start whining yeah. about something. Um, around this time I was really getting into more of the modern day metal. Mm. Uh, Lamb of God as a palace is burned. Oh, same, out. same between the bear and me. I was really into silent the, circus. Yeah. Silent yeah, circus, yeah. the self-titled. Um, yep. I was really into the progressive metal and just, it was like a time when Converge was coming out. Oh, yeah. And oh, yeah. everything in metal was going towards this crazy, make no sense, kind of Dillinger was yeah, in Dillinger it. Dillinger was big. the band. Yep. Just bands doing crazy shit. Man, so, you are speaking Chinese. Well, right so, right well, which is hilarious is that um, <laughs> those are almost 90% of every band we name dropped so far I've played shows with. Oh, yeah. yeah. And because this is... Uh, an era of my life that I got into music. Um, and my first band was, we, I, we first started playing shows probably 2001, 2002 ish. Um, but we almost immediately started touring. I mean, right out of high school. So you're looking at two, for me, it was 2003. So we ended up playing with a lot of these bands because that was the genre that, that appealed to us. So we wrote music that was very similar to them, but I also listened to between the bear and me converge and bands like that. So Mm -hmm. my first band combined these elements of screamo and metal and it was a it was actually for us was a was a deterrent for most fans because we were trying to blend that hardcore like serious metal with screamo it, yeah. big, we were trying to be between the Barry me meets uh Alexis on fire right like so that my first band although we got to play with bands like deftones and atreyu story of the year and all that stuff we never really clicked with the audiences i remember playing yeah. a lot of these shows and the kids just weren't into us, but the band, but <laughs> the bands, uh, playing yeah. their the, sex, the, the bands why. are into us. You yeah. know, all the bands that we played with were, were cool with us, but that genre is very weird for that. Um, band people like the bands that they like, and they didn't yeah. give shit about any other band. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of the emo bands were easy to make fun of too. Well, well uh, we got made fun of. We got, oh, yeah, yeah, and that's the thing is that even, even our genre of the, of my first band that we, we played and we, we get made fun of constantly. Oh yeah. Because yeah. it was also fashion based. Yeah. Oh, we were very fashionable. Yeah, I was in like metal bands, and we were just wearing cargo shorts and playing breakdown riffs and listening to like Slayer and stuff. Oh, we like had that. uniforms, guyliner. Oh, you wore yeah. guyliner. We wore oh, guyliner. Wow. Oh, you but we were there. I'm mean, here. <laughs> you pulled in. You probably pulled in some mad chicks though. Yeah, uh, yo, we did. Yeah. We did. Uh, so, yeah, I was on the was a uh, American Eagle front uh, around that time, but I was oh, also yeah. kind of getting getting more. Uh, 
was it experimental with my music? Okay. Um, I was going to say your women. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Here, put on the donkey hands. <laughs> but no, I was um, I was in the Navy at the time, so it was a lot of people coming from coming from different um, different aspects. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people coming from Houston were bringing Swisher House stuff. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was in the Paul Wall, Mike Jones, getting that. Um, oh, yeah. People from uh, Seattle coming down, bringing some of their electronic stuff with them. Yeah. Or, I mean, we had a guy from, um, I think he was from Italy, and he brought like a bunch of European music that I had never even heard of. Yeah. And I was like, kind of getting really into the uh, the musical aspect of it. That's that's kind of where a lot of these bands, when I hear them, um, I'm... I like the musicalness of it, like yeah. the the guitars, the bass, yeah, the yeah, drums. Yeah. I don't necessarily listen to the singing, but um, I, I that's kind of the first thing that uh, if a band has a really shitty opening, I'm like, okay, I'm out sure. uh, automatically. Hello there. Hello there. Hello there. That's right. This is Christopher Marinin here to promote my other podcast, Star What the Podcast. And it is the podcast you're looking for. <laughs> yeah, that's right. StarWhatThePodcast.com. At StarWhatThePod on Instagram and Twitter. And wherever you're listening to podcasts, StarWhatThePodcast.com. I hope to have you tune in. May the force be with you. You're going to need it for season two and no one is listening. Later. Well, let's not forget this is also the Kazaa and Napster generation yeah. where we all traded Lime music. Wire. So we, so as as consumers of music, we were exposed to more music in our life oh, than God, ever yeah. before in a shorter amount of time. But we still listened to the entire album. Yeah, we never just listened to one song. That's true. Like, That's so true. I feel that's that true. speak for yourself. Uh, well, well, <laughs> let me let me back that up, Dave. So let's dive into Alexa on Fire. So, um, yeah, how did you find well, Alexa on Fire? When it comes to you, you just mentioned listening to the whole album. The other thing outside of Kazan Napster was mixtapes, mix CDs. Yes, and a lot of my friends we would trade mixtapes, mix CDs, and this goes back to high school. So years before I ever discovered Alexa on Fire, we would just make mix CDs because it was easy to do on our computers now. Which mm-hmm. is the same uh, same way a lot of people got in. in Introduced to different kind of uh, professional wrestling because um, they had the southern stuff. Oh, sure, sure. They would do tape trading at uh, flea markets and yeah. stuff. You'd go through and be like Jack Jack Henry versus Ric Flair, nineteen seventy five. Right, right. And you're like oh wow. Right. Well, with Alexa on Fire, I didn't discover this band, even though I was touring and, and doing all this stuff. I hmm. had never even heard of them until um, probably just through MySpace. I don't even you know I don't really truly remember the first time i heard them i remember the first album i heard and it was uh it was through a music video from accidents um which we'll, we'll dive into that in a little bit okay. but alexis on fire let's let's look at who they are so the name is weird yes, it's it's just it's name. one it's just one word alexis yeah. on fire and, and i was always having a problem when you even first said it is it alexis or i was like alex is on fire alex is on fire right <laughs> so the name is based on the world's only lactating contortionist stripper Ah. Uh, so go ahead and look up Alexis yes. Fire. Uh, very strange. Not at work. <laughs> well, or at work. Yeah. I, I'm not going to give that. It I mean. depends where you work. <laughs> <laughs> right. If you're at the lactation clinic, is, right. is that a place? Yeah. yeah, it might be. Might be. I'm at the boo bank. Right. <laughs> right. I'm just here to get my breast milk. Right. Uh, can I have some Cambodian? Please? Bring the mothers over here. <laughs> but Alexis on Fire, um, their, their, their name's unique. And of course, they got into the internet right away. So they didn't create a website called alexisonfire.com. They were very clever and just wrote the only band ever.com which is still to this day a great website i mean um, that's not true though 
It's not true, but no. it's but it's hilarious. No, they're, it's being, funny. they're being falsely like saying they're the only band ever. That's a lie. It must be that Canadian humor. I li- it's Canadian humor, baby. <laughs> so speaking of which, uh, Alexa on Fire started in the early 2000s. They were just kids. They were just teenage kids. Yeah, like most bands. Like most bands, right? And each one of them, it's a five-piece band still to this day. Um, they've only had one member change over the course of their entire career. And thank God um, for that. Yep. <laughs> big change. But they they were all in different bands in early 2000, and they started connecting through playing shows, you know, like most kids most in bands, bands do. Most bands in the Finding... Yeah. <laughs> finding <laughs> Finding similar interests and similar genres. So they met at a library. Yeah, <laughs> who like, knows? Right? They uh, were jamming on their headphones at the library at those yeah. one of those little kiosks where you put the cassette in and you start just start shoot, listening. Shoot. <laughs> so with that, uh, you have you have these musicians and and the the I guess it's hard to explain if you're if you don't do a really deep dive in this band because it's a very unique setup. It's a five piece, yeah, yeah. But you have three vocalists, two guitar players, bass player, drummer, and then just a standalone vocalist. They're once all in, three. Once in a while, a tambourine guy sometimes, shows up and they no. throw them off the fucking <laughs> stage. Sometimes though, um, what's what's really cool about this band is that um, each singer has a different personality vocally, and uh, they each bring something very unique to the table and. That was kind of hashed out early on in yeah. the band's career is that you had George Pettit, which is this aggressive, hyper-aggressive, just yeah. insane scream, high energy. Lots um, of veiny, veiny foreheads. Oh, just, type, type just going intense, on, yeah. just intense. And you have Wade McNeil, who's the more traditional punk of the group. He w- he grew up on Circle Jerks and Black Flag. Yeah, and he all was the guitar bands. player. Yeah. yeah, guitar player and singer. So he had more of a traditional punk vocal. I don't hear him sing as much... And when what I listened to or watched live videos, I didn't hear him sing as much as Dallas and George. Sure, but you know, you no, know, he added he added what he needed to add. But he's he's in almost in every song. Yeah, I think he's, he's more a, of like a, a, an accompanying like a background guy. Yeah, so. kind of like the yeah. Eagles. I yes. mean, it's a oh. it's well, a shitty I mean, it's a know, shitty sorta. comparison. Yeah, but you have the multiple singers in yeah. a big band. That's interesting. I've never heard anyone compare <laughs> Alexa Fire to the Eagles. Okay. Crosby still wow. <laughs> okay, and then well, then you have Dallas Green, who is uh, of of course. City in Color. If yeah. uh, if you're unfamiliar, he's got his other projects. Wildly popular. City. In really Color. good. Excellent singer. Yeah. That dude could write a hook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he didn't start out that way. So no, no, you know, he had swoopy hair. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, forget the look, uh, which I idolized. But uh, the, the the thing with with Dallas Green though, he added that the part that you didn't like, Dave, the part that you didn't like in screamo music, which mm. was the melody, which was the softer vocals, which was quote unquote the whiny vocals. He wasn't and, nearly as whiny as a lot of the band. No, no, but early on, yes, yes, very early on the, the self titled album, um, the demos. Yeah, he definitely had that whiny voice. Yeah. But he came from a group that was called Helicon Blue, wildly different than Alexis on yes. Fire. Oh, yeah. Um, really weird. I but, listened to him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, lovely, weird music. I love it. It's <laughs> like, uh, was it Angels and Airwaves? For, for oh, jeez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so with this, uh, these guys just start jamming together, writing music together, finding that they have common ground musically, which... Um, you know, for for most bands, you have to if you want to write a cohesive song or mm. album. And it, it, most people don't realize how hard that is. They don't realize how hard it is to have a cohesive unit in a band. Oh yeah. I mean, Dave and I know it, yeah. it's it's difficult. Even when you are on the same page, it's still hard to write a song. Yeah. No, it's definitely hard. You know, when you get together with your friends, which is what my band kind of is, is all my friends, uh, and we've been around each other for so long. Right. Sometimes there's too many cooks in the kitchen yeah. and you know, you have to go just two of you or just one of you or say, Hey, there, here's an idea. So 
it's great to have a cohesive unit. I know your your band's been together pretty well, like a long time. Yeah, oh yeah. My band's probably done one or two member changes over like yeah. twelve years. So. Well, my first band, when, when Alexa on Fire first started, I went through member after member after member after member. I oh, mean, yeah. we were hiring guitar players from Ringworm. We were, <laughs> yeah. dude, we were on tour and we were just having people leave. Like, it's just, it was one you of those things. You should have just did the, uh, was it a uh, local age thing where they would just go from town to town and hire a drummer? <laughs> I could have, could have. But, you know, here's the thing. Alexa on Fire, they, they lived basically what I call the musician's dream as teenagers, as kids. They're just jamming. They're writing music they, they believe in. They play their first show ever. And of course, it's in front of two executives, yeah. uh, which is like unheard of. The record in music. exact. Well, it's just wild, dude. And the showcase. One of those is a VJ, uh, a very popular VJ from Much Music, uh, George Strombopoulos. Okay, he hosted this punk show. It was like the, it was like he was like the Matt Pinfield from M- MTV, yeah. but yeah, m- except with a lot of tzatziki sauce. <laughs> <laughs> but Much Music was the MTV. It still is the MTV of Canada, oh. and they. What was different at this time in Canada compared to MTV in America was that Canada still played music videos and they still appreciated music. God, um, I loved much it, music. Uh, when I was in California, we would always seek it out on yeah. whatever whatever friend's house we'd go to. We'd be like, hey, there's still a music channel that plays music. Oh, yeah. It was yeah. Great. And yeah. you'd put it on because uh, I think we had it here, uh, whatever cable company it was. I used to go over to my grandmother's house. Yeah. And I'd go over to much music because uh, her cable company had it, the one that my parents had didn't. Yeah. So I'd turn on much music and just blast it in my parents' basement oh, or my grandparents' basement. <laughs> you just, but you get exposed to different music on yes, much music yeah. too because oh, yeah. they 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 also specialize in playing indie and unknown mm-hmm. bands, which MTV would only play those Sony Records, Universal Music, like yeah. the and big, even then it the was pretty ones. yeah it was pretty short because they would uh they usually at that time they were doing real world and a lot of real life stuff yeah and I, that's kind of where it started. I always watch that Uranium band um or that show. Uh, the the it was the metal show that they had. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. The only thing that sucked is Mistress Julia was the host. Ah, uh, yeah, Mistress <laughs> oh, Julia, shit. dude. Oh, yeah. that's right. Yeah, she was like great to look at, but like, my god, she I, tried so hard. I met her twice. I have to. Yeah, and, yeah, I met her. Yeah. She, I think she was talking about a UTI last time I met her. So. Oh my god, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's one of those things. Yeah, I think she, I think she hosted some event that oh, I yeah. bartended, and I had to talk to her for like an hour before yeah. the show. I don't remember much. I was, yeah, I was yeah. intoxicated. No, I think we were together. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Uh, anyway, all right. So but, Alexa, yeah, they got their their brick on much music, right? Well, th- well, yes. So um, George Trombopoulos, the VJ, purchased a T-shirt from Wade McNeil after the show. They played the show in downtown Toronto. Um, you know, I, and it's just one of those mythical things where he goes, buys a T-shirt, says, "I love what you guys are doing. Love what you guys are doing." Wade also gives them their demo CD, and uh, of course, he's like, "Oh, we gotta we gotta do something with this." Eventually, through some inner workings, whatever happened, they're still playing shows. They get a they get signed to Distort Records, which is part of EMI. EMI is a massive uh, yeah, it's record huge. company, yeah. Yeah. and Distort was a small imprint that specialized in indie bands uh, of the more aggressive nature. Back it, when record labels were still around, yeah, or... I think I think Minor Threat put out a couple albums on Distort. I'd have to go Maybe. double check that, but, um, but we they, can ask CM Punk. <laughs> so um, they were they were also given grant money from Canada because Canada oh, supports the their yeah. artists. The, yeah. the Canadian mm-hmm. government supports their artists, so they got grant money to do their self titled album. And their self titled album came out in two thousand two. And with this grant money, they were able to film a video for a song called Pulmonary Archery. Mm. Pulmonary Archery was, quote unquote, their first single from this album. But if you go back and listen to it, you're like, how? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, how is this? And this was played in prime time, yeah, that, much that video music. Where they're playing in the mansion or yeah, the, the house. Mansion. Or, yeah, the mansion. And yeah. this is this is it, this is part of Alexis on Fire's um, mystique, their appeal, is that they took this grant money and they used it wisely. They knew that they were a young screamo band that um, might not they might blend in with yeah, all these other Yeah, they were going to get right? lost in the sauce right. definitely. They were the, uh, the the tomato and a They were the Canadian <laughs> they were the Canadian use. They were the Canadian yeah. My Chemical Romance. They're a Canadian, you know, insert band here that's popular in America. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But what they did in pulmonary artery is they put together a beautiful, well-done video that was unlike any other band at the time. And yeah. they took it seriously. This is back when music videos actually mattered. Yeah. Like, and, and it it was like a matter, big deal. Dave. Come on. They do not. <laughs> yes, they do. They had like a ridiculous budget on this video too. Yeah. Oh, they did. It was a crazy budget. Yeah. But so George puts them in rotation and all of a sudden they start blowing up in Canada. They become a very well-known Canadian band. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. Famous in Canada. Big deal. It, it, well, it really <laughs> is because they started getting nominated for awards at this time. Um, oh, yeah. They had the, the Much Music awards yeah, yeah. You, you mean that that one uh, yeah where they, they got drunk they got smashed <laughs> yeah they, they so they were nominated for uh best independent video mm. and they showed up uh they had a show of concert book that night and they showed up and they got wildly drunk um they didn't win uh or no they no, yeah, no. They, they didn't win. They, yeah. they, they announced they, they, they the awards win. before they even got there. That's yeah. right. Was like that's one of right. The that's but they had all the free food and everything. And <laughs> right. I know if I was 20 and that would have happened to me, I would have probably been in the emergency room. Right. Yeah, open right. bar, man. Yeah. Right. So these dudes went, played the show, unforgettable show, whatever. But the fact that they were nominated in this in this massive um, exposure, they had massive exposure yeah. for a band that sounded like the, the way they did was incredible. So um, naturally, a band evolves. And after their self-titled album, which was, I mean, here's the thing about Lex on Fire, that their album cover for the self-title was also incredibly unique um, for the genre. It was one of those, you, you judge a book by its cover, right? Like there's, yeah. Yeah. it's a rare instance where the cover art pulls you in and you're like, oh, this sounds exactly like the cover art. Okay. Like, let me... You know, it, let me investigate this, but it is the two girls in a knife fight. Yeah. Kind of like a tool album, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. Right, exactly. <laughs> oh, this is exactly what I expected. Exactly. <laughs> it, it, the album, so they used the varsity letters on their logo. That always got me because that's yep. like a hardcore band thing. Oh, yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, come on, that's not strife. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, right, right. Like, this, is, this is some dudes like flailing around and like yeah. singing. Like, I never gave them credit because that sure. it just wasn't my thing yeah. back then. I, I was into, you know, more aggressive metal i guess yeah. you could say it's metalcore now but like unearth and stuff like that so. yeah but just seeing that that album cover today i was like oh dude they like hit every trope yeah uh, like they got the girls <laughs> they got the the black lettering uh, it's it's like a graphic design nightmare i feel but. <laughs> well it is it but it but at the time you know for their first debut album yeah. i mean it was you would see that on MySpace and be like, whoa, what's up with these two girls uh, with knives? I mean, it was kind of, it was different. It was different. Yeah, at least it wasn't in the damaged font from uh, Jared Leto. Oh, stop. Cowboy. What was it? Bleeding Cowboy. No. So so with this, um, these these five young men, uh, George, Dallas, Wade, um, Steele, and then uh, at the time was Jesse uh, and Val, Beckless? I whatever. Forgive me, Jesse, if you ever listen to this podcast. Sorry, Jesse, yeah. but we um, don't we don't like yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> but without Jesse, we would never have this band. This so is true. What happened after the self-titled is that they they were riding this wave of momentum. Uh, once again, living the dream life of a musician, and they connected with a 
with with what I'm calling the sixth member of their band, which is a producer uh, named Julius Buddy. Okay. Is, okay, is that the dude that worked like Deep Purple and or is he not the the fancy one? No, no. Okay. Ju- Julius was basically a relatively unknown producer at the time. Okay, um, so he was he, no Rick Rubin. No yeah. Rick Rubin yeah. doesn't even really to this day have a, a crazy catalog of well known artists. He's just a he's just a producer that did really well with this particular band. And as a musician who has worked with producers. Uh, in my music career, it can make or break a band. Yeah, sometimes I- it's, that's just how it works. So you just have you have a cohesion with them. Um, you know, whether it's a band or you know people you work with, you yeah. just can never find that again. It's no, it's, it's no, ha- no win indictment on him. Well, there's magic yeah. to it. So you know what happened was on their second their follow up album from the self titles that they connected with Julius Buddy. Um, the, like any band, they have ideas. Was this a and, crisis? No, this is watch out. watch out. Watch out. Watch out. Yeah, so, this is the one that kind of like made them kind of blow up. This definitely uh, elevated them to a level that was beyond maybe what they ever thought was possible. Mm. So Julius uh, connected with the band, took their style, which is uh, hyper energetic, uh, hardcore punk, two step. Uh, mixed in with some melodic uh, elements to it. And he really took, he he extrapolated those really intense dynamics and put them to the forefront and mm. gave them a quality sound because the self-titled album was, let's be clear, it, it's not the best audio quality. And what would you expect from a band in 2002 that yeah. just got together? Yeah, and, and It's their first album. Yeah. What do you expect? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And, oh, yeah. and you, I, you listen to our first album. <laughs> right. like, you know. Yeah, it's it's tough. And, you know, these guys just so happened to to get on much music with that sound, which is very hard to do. Now with Watch Out, their follow-up, um, they they definitely hit a home run in my opinion because this is the album that I first discovered Alexis on Fire on uh, because they released another incredible music video uh, called for the song Accidents where they basically was very cinematic. Is this the the ambulance driving? They, one? Yes, yeah. Yeah, paramedics, yeah. yeah. Where they were they were acting as paramedics in this uh, acting air quotes, <laughs> <laughs> but it was. It was unique to see uh, people that looked like me, musicians. <laughs> Having and, a real job. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. No, yeah, because I was living in a van at the time. Uh, playing the music, river. Yeah, right? In the Walmart parking lot. No, Falling it, through coffee tables. It was, uh, but it was cool to see this. And Accidents was the first memory I have of this band. And I go, man. Like not only is this video, I want I I want my band to do a video like this. Their music was so interesting. It combined all the elements that we've already described. Mm. But for me, as a huge Misfits fan, uh, to do the woes, like the woes are uh, yeah. uh, woes are. <laughs> believe it or not, no, believe it or not, it's a secret ingredient. It is. A, it, it is. It is. It's, it's an a element. Special sauce. When, when you're in hardcore music, part of um, part of the live element is to get your crowd involved and get your crowd singing and get your crowd up on the mics, get up on stage, sing the song with us, right? Like that's all what it's all about. Papa Roach and, uses woes. Do they? I don't. I don't know. Yeah, listen to the raw uh, intro from okay. a few, <laughs> like three or four raw intros ago. Pennywise wrote a whole song that's a whoa. Whoa, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the bro him is bro just him, a whole whoa. Him. But that's but, that's, a, that's the original whoa, man. But but it's it's that element of community, the element of unity that they were able to really push on this album. And accidents in particular was Glenn a song. Danzig did it again. He man. did it again. <laughs> did it again. But they do it in a way that is uh, very unique to to them. And it's it's and they've done it for throughout the remainder of their career. So here they are with Watch Out. Um, this is when, like I said, I started getting invested with them. Now, the other thing is, as a touring musician, I toured. I played two hundred plus shows a year for right out of high school for several years. Yeah. When I was on my downtime after I discovered Alexis on Fire, I would spend 
weeks of my life in Canada. I would drive to Canada because here's the <laughs> That's thing. That's unfortunate. No, uh, not Alexis, really. Alexis on fire is your fish. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. But I wanted to learn more about Canadian music because like I said, there wasn't a lot of uh, Canadian bands promoted in America. So I would have to go to Canada to hear Alexis on fire. And by that, I learned of a lot of really amazing bands uh, like Moaning, Fucked Up, Attack in Black. I, the list goes on. Um, but there was a record label in Canada called Dine Alone Records. They still exist today yeah, yeah. and they still put out music mm-hmm. today. But they were new. They were upstart back then. And they would put on these shows. Um, and I would just hang out in Canada for, I mean, I've spent uh, a large portion of my 20s in Canada uh, watching Alexa on Fire shows, watching these other bands that were associated in their genres that were never being played in America. Becoming a Toronto Blue Jays fan. <laughs> I did Get have a Blue Jays hat early on. Yeah. Um, but it, it got me into this lifelong uh, passion now for Alexis on Fire. And I have uh, a lot of Alexis on Fire tattoos on my body now. Um, you know, this, I, but I made a connection with the guys as well. Yeah, they're probably um, like this dude. This, right? this groupie, yeah, he's this not guy. even yeah. hot. Yeah. Right. Here, let me just pull my dick out. <laughs> <laughs> but this band became the soundtrack to my 20s. So the, the Watch Out album was definitely the, the album that set the tone for, for the rest of my 20s. And it's, it's like my dark side of the moon. I mean, really, it's my, it's my developmental, it's my biggest developmental album okay, in my yeah, life is, I agree. is, is watch I agree. out. I could see that happening. So I could tell like you were talking about the woes. Yeah. Um, you can hear that in your music. Yeah. While I was researching Alexis on fire, I was like, Oh, I listened to your band, the missing obviously yeah. over, over my last couple of years. Yeah. And you can hear parts in your music that I'm like, Oh, that sounds like Alexis on fire. Yeah. And it all kind of makes sense now. So. Yeah, because you know, here's the thing with the with the way Alexis on Fire had their vocal set up with the three different vocalists. Yeah, I always wanted to emulate that yeah, with yeah, my yeah. with my yeah. personal voice. So I tried to do the screaming, I tried to do the singing, I tried to do the way gruff, you know, like I, I tried to get all that out in my music because I loved it so much. Yeah. Um. But I, you know, I've seen Alexis on Fire live throughout throughout these years. I've probably seen them over forty times. Yeah, it's that's a, that's a lot. That's yeah. that's yeah. fucking awesome. Well, I saw him I saw him in front of 50 people and then I stopped going to their shows um, you know, right before they broke up when they would be playing in front of thousands of people. And now today uh, they're doing arena tours. Yeah. And it's just wild. So meanwhile, um, I'm I'm in Singapore MWR <laughs> brought in uh what was it um Deep Blue something they did that breakfast Ooh. at oh, yeah, yeah. they did yeah. an amazing cover of uh Darling Nikki though that uh I was oh okay <laughs> I was like what yeah, the hell yeah. uh or uh, how about the time I saw Paul Wall at in oh uh, Kandahar God, Afghanistan yeah wow. you're welcome yeah speaking wow. of Swisher House well <laughs> well which is why we need those grills yeah, yeah right oh, right case, jewelers we're right. here for you. This is Casey Kasem. I got a request from a man in Poughkeepsie asking for the best podcast in the land, and you're not listening to it. They're listening to the No One Is Listening podcast. So Alexis on Fire, they have they have Watch Out, which is a, another album that gets accolades after accolades. Um, they are they won the the New Group of the Year award at the Juno Awards, which is the equivalent yeah. of the Grammys in Canada. To win that. To win the new group of the year, 
at a mainstream uh, music award ceremony in a genre that they play in is absolutely stunning. They're the well, first. It was probably yeah. packed, right? The the actual thing had uh, bands that had done a lot more than they had. Oh, totally. I mean, they're they're just they're huge. They also um, they were nominated in Spin Magazine in America yeah. for for Best Band of the Year when that album came out. So they started getting a lot of credibility, but still, at this time, they were not very. Big in the states, they would yeah, yeah. when they did tour the states, they opened for bands like Funeral Funeral for a Friend. Um, they were opening for um, I don't know, it's like thrice, I think. Yeah, they, probably thrice. It, it wasn't. It, yeah. They weren't. That sounds about right. Yeah. But, but but they weren't well known. Um, it's hard to make it in America. It's though. so hard. It, it really is. Because ask Eddie Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying we're we're a, we're catch up. Yeah. We we like yeah. processed things. We like our processed music. Yeah. Um, we don't like anything really too experimental well you know the, nor- the normal people oh for don't. sure yeah. no for sure and this and alexis on fire was one of those bands that took a genre that that americans liked and did something more with it they, yeah, they experimented they, with it they made it sound more accessible there yeah. they were cleaner guitar tones cleaner drumming cleaner vocals catchy hooks really yeah. good really big choruses <laughs> they're the evian water of bands Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. so, but so they they do this you know they promote watch out and all of a sudden they they go back to the studio they got to they got to they got to go bigger they got to go bigger yeah. right like most bands and they they still work with Julius Buddy the producer but they part ways with their original drummer Jesse Jesse's uh he's just he's gone um yeah. he wanted to go spend more time with his family because let's let's be clear these yeah, dudes were also out. touring yeah. a lot and they were just out of high school and, and you don't make money on tour. No, no, no. And and that you, only when you play big shows, you don't really make a lot of money in the studio either. Yeah. It's, no. This is also you know, early two thousands band touring. Like, yeah, you're playing yeah. small shows. You're yeah. basically uh, what an indie wrestler. <laughs> no, no one's buying your music because it's yeah. all free online. You know. Oh yeah, I mean you had the MySpace things, which was at this time was cooking. Yeah, I and, mean and MySpace was, was huge. It was right before the the merchandise shirt boom. <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> the mid 2000s well you know? if there is one thing alexis on fire is definitely well versed at his merchandise oh yeah you um, have to be they, that, that's they your were money. huge on oh, merch they're, they're huge big on yogurt merch. fans yeah. <laughs> we, we wrote a joke song called uh or one of the bands around here said they don't actually play music they're just a soundtrack to a clothing line and i never oh, heard beautiful. a truer statement in my yeah, entire life for that time period yeah that was my first band yeah for sure yeah. we sold a lot of shirts anyways all right so <laughs> alexis on fire goes back to the drawing board they want to put out an album even bigger Bigger and better than Watch Out, but they're also getting older. They yes. they they're getting their experiences. They they you know they've toured with all these unique bands, but they're getting older. And as most musicians, if you continue, if you're lucky enough to continue yes. playing, your music should evolve yeah. and your taste should evolve. Right. When the older you get, I know personally for me, like when you play music that you played ten or twelve years ago, you're kind of not the same person playing that music. Yeah, it's not the same. Your music should grow with you. Yeah, and it did. And it did on their next album, which I consider their peak album. It was the pinnacle of their success, really. It really pushed them to even American uh, notoriety, which is Crisis. Crisis. Crisis is their Nevermind, their Dark Side of the Moon, the Chronic, whatever album you want to put as the top of your artist's uh, echelon. Uh, whatever Britney Spears, they're Toxic. Yeah, toxic, yeah. sure, sure. So Crisis is, uh, is an album that is... It's essential listening if you ever want to dive into Alexis on Fire's yes. catalog. Um, it is moody. It is catchy. It is heavy. It is soft. It is every element of music put into one package. Uh, but what really changed the dynamic of this band was the addition of Rapbeard. So going back and listening to their entire discography, uh, I didn't really like any of their music until I got to Crisis. 
Okay. Crisis seemed to be when they took that step to where I really enjoy that type of music. Yeah. Before, it was just like, oh, this is just every band of the moment playing sure. those songs yeah. with like the whining vocals and, you know. Well, the but, nice thing about uh, this one especially is not only did they, because the, a lot of bands, when they take that step, they, they kind of stop at that step. Yeah. And, and some of them even regress because it was uh, the, the step they were on before was more comfortable. This it seems like even with this one they the the next album was that much more. Yeah, it's a difficult step to take. Um, oh, I'm sure. I know when I we did that, we decided not to carry on the same name mm-hmm. because we changed so much that we felt it wasn't right to keep the name. So you also had that kind of going with you. Yeah, and you yeah. change so much that you feel like you're a different band. You know, there's it's a hard step to do. Yeah, and th- and these guys are now starting to get in their mid twenties. Um, so it's about five five Geezer's years right, well, yeah, in, in music in music yeah it is Getting it that really replacement it, it really is uh so this crisis came out five years after their or four years after really they're self-titled and um it, like i said it, it definitely opened them up to more of a mainstream um they were they were now starting to tour with bands like Metallica. Yeah. They were starting to open up for the Deftones. Yeah. Faith No More. Is that when they did the the Reading Festival? Yes. Yeah. They, yeah. They, I remember hearing them talking about that. And they were well, like, one day we'll be there, guys. It we're was going to the Reading Festival. <laughs> it was it, eighty thousand people. It was crazy. Yeah. Or yeah, eighty. Yeah. yeah. For for a little band from St. Catharines, Ontario, mm. Canada. Now the other thing is Kerrang is a, a music publication uh. n- notorious <clears throat> for being brutal in their reviews and their assessments of albums. They put Crisis in their top fifty albums of the twenty first century, which is remarkable considering how many great albums have come out uh, in the 21st century. Um, it was but, maturing. Yeah, it was but, a lot of good country ones, but, too. but like I mentioned it, it, for me, the, the big element, the, the one that put them over the top was the continuation of Julius buddy as a producer, but also Jordan Hastings, AKA Ratbeard, as their new drummer. Yes. Who, if you listen to crisis, just purely on drums alone, you will be, absolutely happy it's definitely a what the hell happened here yeah there's a total style change and i loved it it's a style change and it's also up front they put him uh, the he actually plays the intro of a lot of the songs just on his own before the band kicks in and he plays these very unique fills yeah he's flat style he's traditionalist i believe yeah no it's it's wild it's wild so um you know crisis comes out they do their thing and I, i remember during they started touring the states um, and started doing their own headlining tours in the states during crisis era. And the thing with this is, most concert venues underestimated them. Oh yeah. Oh, they're a Canadian band. They're just they're some weird underground <laughs> screamo band. So they they're very sh- polite. So so they <laughs> Sorry. so they Sorry. Would, they would show up to these venues, and the concert promoters had no idea that kids would sell out the venue. That would be rowdy. They didn't expect kids to stage dive, grab the mic. I mean, whatever. They thought and, they were going to eat their poutine and, yeah, and clap say, politely. I was going to say they call them poutine punks. Well, so, so, so they did this poutine punks. All right, These poutine uh, punks you got me with that one. Syrup. You got me with that <laughs> one. Just squirting it everywhere. It's like they're Fago. But I, re- I remember uh, I was I was off tour uh, and I was at home in Cleveland, Ohio, and we have this venue called the Grog Shop here. Yes. And they would do these uh, these double shows. They would book double shows on Fridays and Saturdays where they'd have an early show like and a, a late show. a matinee show and then a late show. Exactly. And, and Alexis on Fire was doing a Canadian tour with the, the Cancer Bats and Monin as their opener. So three Canadian God, bands. that's such a punk fucking dude, name. Dude, Cancer Bats is a legit band. Look them up. They are <laughs> yeah, awesome, they are dude. That's so good. <laughs> so um, they, they did this Canadian tour, and the Grog Shop booked them in the early show. Okay? So uh, it... 
it was, it, you know, they started, all the bands were playing, doing their thing, and the, the band needed to be wrapped up by like 9.30 or something crazy like that. So, Which if you've ever been in the concert industry... <laughs> You know, impossible yeah, it never it's, happens no, yeah no so the, the grog shop also because i've talked to the owner uh since about this particular concert uh and i was like hey did you ever think that this show would be this crazy because i did and she's like no because this venue was like flooded with with young kids like oh you'd be surprised flooded. what people don't realize on some of these shows dude i i've i've played this stage i've been lucky enough to, to pretty much have a sellout in that room it gets pretty packed was this the new grog shop or the old one the newer one okay, yeah. yeah and it, is that bigger or smaller it's bigger. It's, it's bigger. bigger. Okay. It's more open. But this place was swimming with with humans, right? Oh yeah. So uh, moaning goes on, cancer bats go on, and then all of a sudden, Alexis on fires on, and they're only three or four songs into their set. Now this is the headliner. Everyone's there to see them, and all of a sudden, you hear over the monitors when you're a musician. The the front of house can talk to you through the monitors. Mm-hmm. Say, all right, you got one song left. Dude. That's horseshit. Because I was up front the whole yeah, time. Yeah. I knew these dudes from hanging out with them in Canada. So I was like repping with them before the show. And I was like up in front the whole time singing every song. <laughs> hey, welcome to Cleveland. This and, is like the best town ever. <laughs> <laughs> so I heard that come through the monitor and I heard and I saw them all look at each other. I'll never forget this. They all look at each other and they're like, oh no, dude. So they they went into accidents, which is which at the time was not their closer, but it was no. the song that everyone knew. Everyone yeah, it was their hit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was so, their jam. So what happened is George Pettit, the the lead singer, asked everyone to come up on stage. Mm. Oh fuck, yeah, fuck this place, fuck them, fuck the grog shop. Everyone up on stage. Which concert clubs love? Which I I have oh, yeah. I have I have done multiple times as a musician. Oh yeah, yeah, me too. Uh, I've asked people to come up on stage after they've cut the power, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, so they did end up cutting the power on these guys, um, and they just kept playing. I mean, you still have stage power. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I had to basically, I saw the inevitable doom of what was going to happen uh, <laughs> as a musician. I was like, oh, shit. You saw the perfect storm uh, I, brewing. I was right in front of Dallas, uh, who has this incredible, I mean, still to this day, Dallas Green has some of the best guitar rigs I've ever seen in my life. Mm. But he had all these incredible pedals laid out on his uh, board, and I just I like a good soldier dove on his pedal board, <laughs> jumped on the hand grenade, <laughs> I dove on Dallas's pedal board because I knew that kids were going to be stomping all over it, breaking it. Like it was, it turned out to be a fucking madhouse. I'm, I'm just picturing you jumping on this pedal board and you just hit his tuner and just mute everything. <laughs> it wasn't you, me. Like they're totally racking out and you just cut yeah. them all off. Right, right. This dickhead over here. No, it was brutal. Dallas was pissed. It was, uh, it was a pretty ugly end to that, but that's one of my memories of, of seeing them on that tour. Um, and then, you know, they came back around a second time, played a house of blues here in Cleveland, but they, they were definitely getting more well-known. Um, you know, then crisis that kind of elevates them. Like I said, to a level they weren't expecting. They ended up playing this other concert uh, for the Olympics. They they had the Olympics in oh, Canada yeah, 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 yeah. in Vancouver. It doesn't really count if it's in Canada, though. <laughs> but here's the thing: it's they are a Canadian band. Ca- uh, Canadian pride is very big, uh, and they asked Alexis on Fire to play the Olympics concert, which is a pretty big deal. Yeah. Uh, what happened was you had this crowd of uh, several thousands, tens of thousands of people, tens in, of in, hundreds, in, <laughs> tens of hundreds, no, tens of thousands of people in Yale Town, Vancouver, which I've been to before. And um, how big is it? It's not very big. It's it's like, it's, like a, it's it's well. If you've ever been to Atlanta where they had the Olympic ceremony yeah. there, it's much smaller. Oh, it's man. much smaller. So they built this massive stage. But what happened was the Alexis on Fire was such a big commodity in Canada and so wildly popular. They were thirty seconds into their first song, mm. and the entire crowd surged past the barricades, surged past the security. It overwhelmed them, and they ended up having to cancel that gig immediately. Mass probably hysteria. Mad. Yeah, yeah. The Shania Twain was probably pissed at them. <laughs> 
It doesn't impress her much. Is that her song? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, wow. You can go online, look up the video, but that gives you an idea of how wildly popular they were at the time. Yeah. So let's let's fast forward a little bit and let's go to the old Crows Young Cardinals album. Uh, so they did yes. a follow-up to Crisis, uh, but at this time there was some dissension in the band. Okay, yeah. and as David mentioned, as bands grow older, as bands uh, they mature, they go different ways. Their differences behind the scenes were starting to come up to the forefront. They were touring all the time. They were living with each other. Dallas had already started City in Color at this yeah. time, so he was focused on his folk project. And the the other guys still wanted to do Alexis on Fire. Yeah, but you gotta understand those dudes were partiers. Yeah, yeah, they partied like mm-hmm. crazy. Um, and Dallas really wasn't a big partier. It is, it is weird being the guy in the band that's kind of maturing a little more. Right. Um, I, he, he talked about how he wasn't listening to the music that they were playing. Yeah. And I totally understood that. Yeah. Like the older, older I get, the less I'm listening to like metalcore and like death metal. And now I'm listening to more like progressive and like yeah. folk music and stuff like that. It's more music that I find enjoyable. And when you're playing that music over and over and over again, you kind of get sick of it. Yeah. You get burnt out oh, real yeah. fast. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and and for anyone listening, if you don't know City in Color compared to Alexis on Fire, you couldn't be further from musical genres. I mean, they were like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Well, so, Alexis on like, Fire was like a young man's band. Yeah, that, like it was the angsty. We're in our twenties. We have the energy. We want to be yep. heard. We want to be. We want to be. It's the new punk rock. Yeah, yeah. And then when you get older, you're like, well, I gotta go pay for my mortgage on my house <laughs> right, and, right. Uh, hey, my water I, bills dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah i gotta go pick up some like bread from the store with a gallon <laughs> right. of milk <laughs> your famous bread shopping yeah, you're like oh not, not <laughs> right. the things that piss you off are like i gotta pay taxes or my roof's leaking like those yeah. aren't things you write songs about <laughs> no no so unless you're a country yeah, i was artist. gonna say yeah and you know we tracked her sexy and bullshit like that uh, <laughs> right right so so we have this time in between crisis they toured for a couple of years and they they took some time to write Old Crows, Young Cardinals, which came, which came out in 2009. Um, it was their last full-length studio album that they've put together. Mm. And um, you can tell, quite honestly, how much the band evolved drastically from the self-titled to this particular album. You'd listen to those back-to-back, yeah. they'd sound like almost totally different bands. This mm-hmm. is actually my favorite album that they did. And it is, it's most people's favorite. If you're not a diehard Alexa on Fire fan, yes. this is the one that you listen to because it has a lot of great singles, a lot of great uh, out or songs that you can put on uh, at the bar or whatever yeah, yeah. through, you know, touch tunes or whatever. It's just really, <laughs> it's music that can appeal to almost anyone that listens to rock or metal. Yeah, if you if you weren't a diehard, I'd say listen to Crisis. And then if you're not really feeling that, listen to Old Crows, Young Cardinals. Yeah. That album's really good. There's a lot of good songs on it. Yeah, it's a good it's a good introduction. I I enjoyed it uh myself. Yeah, it's it's mature. It's mature. Yeah. So Old Crows, Young Cardinals, this is their last studio album. It's and, their back in black. You know, it <laughs> did, did they know this was gonna be their last album? Yes, because okay. there was there was a lot of um lot of interviews, message boards where the band members would come out talk talking. They wouldn't say directly that Dallas was leaving, yeah. but they kind of hinted at it. They were actually looking at auditioning people to replace Dallas. Yeah, which you can't do. Yeah, you can't that's, that's, do that'd, it. that'd be terrible. You can't do it. So um they tried. You know, they definitely had the auditions, but they yeah. but but they knew they were going to break up. That, yeah. That's the thing that a lot of these bands don't get the opportunity to do, and they knew they were going to break up. Or they just kind of- tore until um, until they just all fucking hate each other. Like, uh, it was a Pink Floyd was like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Eagles were like yeah. that. They broke up because they all hated each other. They toured so fucking much. Well, and that's what, so that's basically still what happened at this point, is that Dallas left in 2010. Um, Wade 
he had an opportunity to sing for a, a, a British band called Gallows, which is a hardcore yeah. band. So he went off, did Gallows. The rest of the guys tried doing their own side projects. It yeah. didn't really get much notoriety. Some success. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. Dallas, I mean, he really blew up with City and Color. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that mm-hmm. was a whole different thing. So the, the guys are now on a hiatus. They still released some music that they had in the tank. Dog's Blood was an EP that they were, they were recording music for another full length. Dog's Blood is a great EP, by the way. Um, totally aggressive, totally yeah. different from young, uh, Old Crow's Young Cardinals. But these guys, um, they always still remain friends. So even after the breakup, even after everything, they still remain Proof friends. that they're Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so they, they definitely took some time apart. Wade did another project called Black Lungs, which is a fantastic uh, band. And Black Lungs actually was opening for City and Color on yeah. some City and Color tours. So they still had a connection, Wade and Dallas. They still appreciate each other's music. Uh, but, you know, to this day, they they are playing music currently. So you, you yeah, skip yeah. ahead. They broke up in 2010, air yeah. quotes. Yeah. And hiatus. They, they, the hiatus. Sure. You just need to take a breather. And, you know, right. you can't really escape it. Being a musician, you know, when you stop this, you always have that urge yeah. right. just to go do something. Well, or you just, you keep going on and you fucking hate each other. Like, you, I was sure. kinda, you, yeah. you, you kind of push through it because. Uh, you become more money hungry. You're a fucking a fascist for right. them. Oh, well, <laughs> you're David Lee Roth. Well, yeah. the, the other thing to keep in mind is I mentioned Dine Alone Records early on in the yes. podcast. They, after the hiatus, they continued to push out material for yeah. Alexis on Fire. Limited edition box sets, vinyl. They did the vinyl uh, set in yeah, 2013, I think. Beautiful yeah. vinyl set. Um, the Live at Cops, which was one of their last concerts that they did in Canada before mm-hmm. their official hiatus. Because yeah. they announced a farewell tour and all that stuff. Um, and they they played a bunch of Canadian venues, but Dine Alone did a beautiful DVD of it, and you can find it online. Yeah. You can so they continued to push Alexis on Fire, even though they were on a hiatus. Um, and they have since got back together. They've they've since toured multiple times uh, since 2010. They tour yeah. Australia, they tour Canada, they've done a couple American shows. I know they did a Brazil show too, where they oh yeah, uh, it was Sao on Paulo. The, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, yeah. It was yeah. insane. Yeah, it seemed like a religious experience. I'm happy to, to that you brought that up because it is seeing Alexis on fire. We can talk all about the the albums. We can talk about the personalities, how they got together. But what made this band for me is seeing them live. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. And Dave and I know we we've we've not only played a thousand shows, we've mm. seen a thousand shows. We're coming from the concert club industry, all this. I'm not surprised by much. I don't go to concerts anymore. I, I've only been to maybe three concerts in the last two years. Yeah. Um, I'm not into it anymore because I, I live that life. I've seen it all. You got burnt out, man. Burned out. Yeah, when you work in a club and you hear, like, yeah, it's sweet. You get to see all these bands for free, but you also get to see all these shitty bands for free. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lot. It's the a lot to take Beatles. in, but you see the good, you see the bad, and you see all the ugly. But here's the thing with Alexis on Fire is the, the first time I ever saw them um, was in Canada, but they had more energy, more pure, raw, insane, infectious energy than any other band I've ever seen in my life. And they have always been that way to this day. When, what year did you see them for the first time? It had to have been 2004, 2005. So that, that was right when all those bands were really high energy on stage, like Norma Jean's or uh, the chariot chariot. Um, Yes. Which is another one of my favorite bands. Every time I die. Yeah. Every time I die. Yeah. Okay. I know their live shows. Like it was just to see who could go the most nuts on stage. Yeah. yeah. It was a very interesting time. Well, you know, there's there's also the thing with this is as a musician, I try to emulate a lot of those styles, but I felt what all the music that I wrote personally, I felt it. But I I would always give my energy and rhythm. 
I'd always you, give my energy and rhythm, right? Like, like yeah, I played yeah. off. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I played off my drummers. Yeah, I just get and, the power stance and let her ride, dude. Well, see, I was all over the place. <laughs> I was all over. Wait, the place. Wait, what are we talking about? Oh, no, I used to be all over the <laughs> yeah, place too. Yeah. I was like a ninja jumping up yeah, on right. monitors, and then I just got old and thought thought more right. about playing music than right. actually doing stuff. But you know? but when I saw Alexis on Fire give it all, they were in rhythm. Oh yeah, they yeah. were in rhythm with each other. They weren't like Dillinger Escape Plan, which were just flailing like the inflatable wacky arm guys. Like <laughs> you know, like there was like there there was actually uh, an emotion behind the way Alexis on Fire played. And I always tried to channel that in my music and my live shows because seeing them live, this was the defining thing of oh, this yeah. band. That's 90% um, of a band. Like you, it's, yeah, you have music on CD, but seeing a band play live, that's yeah. that's the, what they do. Yeah. I, I, it's I, like I, when I used to go see NSYNC. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? No one uh-huh. is uh-huh. listening. Well, if no one's listening, then why am I even doing this? Cash money, baby. I, but there is one concert in Canada that I will never forget. It's my favorite concert I've ever seen in my life. It was at the Cool House, which is in the former warehouse district in Toronto. This venue no longer exists. It was in the middle of December. It was, uh, I think it was like December 17th or 18th, uh, 2005, 2006, somewhere around yeah. there. 2000, yeah, it was 2006. That sounds about right. <laughs> and um, I drove up to Canada. I went to Low Blouse, which is their uh, Canadian grocery store. Okay. And I had to wait in line. A little Tim like, Hortons. Yeah, yeah like, but, <laughs> a little, but, little food line it, it was from Virginia. You still had paper tickets and it was a first come first serve venue, right? Like it was just an open floor. There was no assigned seating and anything like that. So I waited in line. I got there super early and it was freezing. If you know where the warehouse district is in Toronto, it's right on the lake. Yeah. It, it was one of those winter days where it was like six degrees with wind, like crazy shit. So all of us uh, diehard fans were just standing out there in t-shirts and tight jeans. And it was, I was, I must've been outside. It explains your fertility problems now. <laughs> I must've been outside for uh, six hours in just a t-shirt oh, and jeans. God. And on, on the blistering Lake Ontario. Chris has the hardest nipples in the world. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, but we get in the venue and I had this emotional, it was the most emotional experience I've ever had at a concert. Um, it, it was your it was, mecca. It it was yeah. my Mecca. It was an out-of-body experience, and it, it was a concert that opened up with Attack in Black, fucked up, and Alexis on Fire took Could it home. Could it be that you were dying of pneumonia? That's what gave it that Possibly. experience? It was the <laughs> I think it was the only time I've ever actually teared up at a show. Because they played a song called Sidewalk When She Walks, which is from the Watch Out album. It's a very, um, at the time, was not an Alexis on Fire style song. It was a Dallas Green. It was basically like his his prelude to City in Color but yeah. it was on an Alexis on Fire album. When, when he came out and played that solo, I was like, okay, this is like insane. So uh, I have definitely had those out-of-body experiences with Alexis on Fire. Uh, but here they are now, man, like still playing. They just released uh, three singles, came yeah. out. What do you think of those? I think that they are... It's weird. It's, it's a hard pill to like talk about because it's not what you think, and it's not like a real evolution of sorts. No, it just seems like dudes that are distracted that got into a studio were like, hey, yeah, yeah. let's, let's, hey, let's just write a quick song. Guys. Yeah, yeah. Let's just yeah. make it up on the spot. Yeah, I don't necessarily feel the same 
level of emotion or connection with it, but I've also changed as a, as a human. They sound like songs yeah. like if you go see them play today, they would start off by playing one of those songs, then play all the old shit. Oh, yeah. All the hits. Yeah. All the hits. Yeah. 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 This is on our new album here. You'll so probably I, like it. I call it. that the Slayer method. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you got to play the single, the new single that no one wants to hear. And then but, just roll, roll right into fucking Raining Blood. <laughs> yeah, and then like War Ensemble yeah. and all those. Well, well, let's see what they do at the full length. Let's see if they connect with Julius Buddy again. That's usually a, a tool that bands will go back to their old producers and mm. try to rework some magic. But I also don't know what their intentions are as a band. Do yeah. they want to continue this on full time? City and Color, he's still doing his thing. He just put out a new album. But ultimately, um, this is Alexa on Fire is probably my favorite band of all time. Yeah, um, I can tell. I can. It, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, Why did you put it in the sack? Right. Yeah. Uh, but I encourage any of our listeners, please, you know, give it a shot. Um, yeah. It, it might not be your cup of tea, but I, I would definitely recommend, uh, you know, as Dave already said, you got to listen to Crisis first. If that's not your cup of yeah. tea, switch over to Old Crows. Yeah. Um, or just watch the music videos. That's music a good, videos will definitely. Mm-hmm. It's a good, like, cliff notes of what yeah. it is. You know, go through a few ads on YouTube. Sure. Uh, watch yeah. the Young Cardinals music video where they perform on the Maid of the Mist. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That was a great music video. And they had to delay it because they found a dead body right, right. floating. <laughs> that, right. Like, some dude committed suicide going as, off Niagara Falls. As you Falls. do. Yes. Yeah. He was in a barrel. Um, <laughs> it was that kid from Superman 2. Oh, Jesus. But, but one of my, my, my last thing here. If yeah. I can recommend to the listeners, there's a song that's on a, uh, it's an EP. It's not, you can't find it on iTunes. You have to, I think you could probably find it on YouTube, but it's Henry Rollins versus Charlie Sheen. And uh, it was on an EP called Switcheroo mm-hmm. with Moaning, which back in the day in Screamo, bands would put out split EPs to try to uh, appeal to each other's audiences. And Moaning and Alexa on Fire covered each other's songs on this, but they released one original tune. The original tune that Alexa on Fire put out was Henry Rollins versus Charlie Sheen. I probably broke some kids' noses to this song yeah. when I saw him play it live. As you should. It, it is there. It is, to <laughs> me, it is the quintessential Alexis on Fire song. Covers all the elements of what makes them unique and special. Uh, but I definitely, when that bridge hit, I laid out. Yeah. I laid out some kids. Did you, did you trout song. into people? Like oh. when, I, when I'd get in a pit, I'd try to like body trout them. Like the <laughs> no. trout going up river. <laughs> I, I'm talking, I'm talking, I, dude, I let like loose. I let loose. <laughs> the uh, salmons of Capistrano. Because they don't play the song often. They don't play the song often. Anyways. So because of this podcast, I would have never listened to this band. So I want to kind of thank you. Yeah, yeah especially. Yeah. It gave me uh, uh, the week we uh, did it. I know it's a timeless podcast, but I was doing a lot of uh, Thanksgiving prep. This really <laughs> the year-round Thanksgiving prep. <laughs> all right, yeah. working on that cranberry recipe. Well, it was just uh, dude, writing the turkey, yeah. doing all the other fixings and stuff, and I had this band on in the background. It was very easy to listen to while you're doing stuff. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I hope the guys from Lex on Fire know that they they helped Derek prep. They for they helped me for uh, the American Thanksgiving, the Canadian <laughs> one. I'm sorry, guys. So uh, this band was always just kind of written off as this like screamo bullshit for yeah. me forever. Um, so I never probably would have listened to them. So I want to thank you. Um, yeah. I think I'm going to get a record player and I'm going to buy old Crows oh, okay. vinyl. Yeah. Uh, and also if they ever do a tour or play around here, if they go to Toronto, I'd like to go to a show with we you. We should, we should, uh, I, I would go. Well, I'm going to be, I'm going to be very clear with you guys. Now the ticket <laughs> prices to see these dudes. Oh yeah. Are, I, I kind of uh, figured. Yeah. Uh, I just, they just did a tour at the distillers. At, at they did an arena tour in mm-hmm. Canada and they played a couple shows in Washington. Those tickets are 300, 400 bucks. 
crazy. Yeah, so yeah, you know, shit happens. We'll you fucking kidding me? I got a goddamn hot tub. Does it look like I'm hurting for oh money? Oh my god. <laughs> well, if Zaps ever sponsors us, maybe we get some of that chip money and go see Alexis on fire. And you know, maybe we have Zaps in this thing right here. That zaps I'm in the sack. Oh, oh, the sack. It is the sack. Oh, zaps in the sack. Jeez, Dave, you can't zaps just whip out your sack, sack like that. Uh, it scared your dog. I know she was snoring. Yeah, she was. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks for uh, let me talk about Alexis on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Who's so, picking? I'll pick. pick. I'm going to pick. pick? Okay, all right, whatever. This is the sack. All right, y'all. You can hear it. That's not my cheeks. (laughs) Rubbing. Oh, wow. You are the Foley artist. Oh, yeah. What? So I'm going to find out what our next topic is. This better not be something awful. If it's yours, it's probably butts. It is mine. (laughs) And it kind of has to do with butts. Yeah. (laughs) That's weird. So my subject is. MTV's jackass. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh man. I never said what kind of butts. <laughs> There's a lot of There's dudes. A lot of, a lot of dudes. A lot of butts. Dude butt. Wow. <laughs> Which we might all like. Yeah. Uh, well, hey, a lot of penises too. Uh, yeah. That's well, true. You know, some people like the front, some people like the back. Uh, some people like the oh. middle. Yeah. Well. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so this. Is that the taint? Uh, <laughs> so this is a wildly different uh, topic on episode two. It'll be interesting. Yeah. yeah. No, this is good. This is what this is all about uh go from a screamo band from canada to a bunch of naked sweaty dudes yeah. from america I mean, <laughs> luckily my, we're my starting, disgusting girlfriend has them all they're <laughs> starting season two off on a bang so oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's way different than season one which you can listen to at www.noilpodcast.com or yeah. no one is listening.org and all your yeah. providers in this uh you yeah. know spotify if you want us to be exclusive to you we're totally open to yeah, it assign us to that money bro yeah. you, see those, you see these fools getting like tens of millions of bucks <sighs> yeah, that's gonna be us money. one day Talk, yeah because yeah. we got it well we gotta do a true crime podcast right? yeah <laughs> let's do it so i mean smash that like button <laughs> yeah listen yeah. if uh you help us get to that millionaire status uh no listen subscribe to us on itunes spotify pod chaser stitcher soundcloud yeah tell alexa oh, to play no one is listening oh watch yeah. it she she's, might be listening but julie alexa just behind me. came on stop it yeah <laughs> So, oh, we're gonna be on Pandora soon too. Yeah, we're, hey, we're apparently gonna be on Amazon. I knew I forgot one. Oh, Pandora. We're already on Amazon. Oh my yeah, God. she's listening. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Sky with net. that, if you're listening, please leave us a review. Um, there's a myth that if you leave us reviews, it puts us to the front. No, it just helps other listeners understand what yeah. we're all about. I mean, yeah. that's what we want. We want to hear from from you and let our listeners know what you think of our podcast. Uh, we would love to get that. Uh, so, please. Like us on uh, social media. We're at Let's at do it. Noil Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. We would love for you to connect and send us uh, potential sponsor ideas on Twitter as well. Um, and yeah, if you want to chime in on Alexis on Fire, yeah. How do they reach you on Twitter? Oh yeah, yeah they, they could talk to you. They get, I'm a real, I'm a real boy. Uh, they could send you pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> Please uh, get me on Twitter. I'm pretty active at known as Chris. Uh, so yeah, hit me up on there. And you can hit me up on Twitter at uh, David underscore V underscore Raw. Uh, uh, this is Derek, and you can uh, hit me up on Friday nights at around 9 o'clock. I'm trying to help the no one is listening aggregate, so I've been uh, Googling us constantly for about three hours on Friday yes. nights. Yes. So if you want to join me in doing that, uh, feel free. We'll uh, we'll get on there. We'll uh, you know maybe play some video games or something. No, I'm not going to do that with you. That's uh, at Drake Dangerson one on Twitter. That was a hell of a yeah, uh, wow. Twitter you, You've been milking that one yeah, all wow. off-season. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote it up five weeks ago, okay, guys? <laughs> when you were making Thanksgiving dinner. Oh, yeah, it's, 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 happened all right so thank you again for joining us on season two episode one of the no one is listening podcast means a lot to us to have your listening ears uh and we'll catch you next time all right hey bye guys bye